Plot twists. Candy candy floss. Movie tickets. I'm not already good at this. Story arcs. Plot twists. I said plot. Uh, oh. The plot thickens. Oh, Charles Dickens. <laughs> Thrillers, serial killers, sharks, good guys, bad guys, dinosaurs, great white sharks, greater white sharks, fast cars, directors, fast women, comedies, dramas, sci-fi, rom-coms, robots, sequels, prequels, VHS, Blu-ray. That's enough, isn't it? That's all right, yeah. I'm James. I'm Maxie. And this is Popped Corn. Hello and welcome to another episode of Popped Corn, where we watch B-grade films, which we hope are so bad that they're good. I'm Maxie, and with me in our Sydney studios is James. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Not too bad, thanks. Are you recovering after watching another fantastic B-grade film? Just barely. That's good. On this week's episode, we'll be discussing Plane vs. Volcano and see whether it lives up to the best of what B-grade films have to offer, with formulaic storylines and inconsistencies, poor production quality, a lesser-known or a has-been cast, low budget, and of course, laughable quotes. First, we'll discuss the cast and the plot. A little bit later, we'll play searchimdb.com to see how highly the film features using that popular film and television website search engine. And then last but not least, we will each score the film out of a maximum of five kernels. So this week, as I said, we're going to be talking about Plane vs. Volcano. From the makers of Mega Shark vs. Giant Octopus, Alien vs. Hunter, Abraham Lincoln vs. Zombies, and Mega Python vs. Gatoroid comes Airplane vs. Volcano. The Asylum is back with another hit B-grade film, but at no real point I felt like this was really the Volcano vs. the Airplane. It was just an unfortunate event. James, would you like to take us through the cast and the plot quickly? Why is everything something versus something, by the way? I don't know. I don't know. So um, the cast. Am I doing the cast? Can't we all just get along? <laughs> I'll go through the story. I'd like to see a nice um, B-grade film from uh, The Asylum, a nice romantic rom-com, perhaps, of Airplane and the Volcano. Well, hopefully if they're listening, they can... Uh... Airplane meets Volcano. <laughs> falls in love. <laughs> Pyth- well, Mega Python and Gatoroid. Just think of the lovely children they'd have. Exactly. Mm. Um, think of the gi- spin-offs. Giant octopus caresses and engulfs mega whale. What's mm. it called? Mega shark. Mega shark. Wow. Yeah, they were made for each other. Maybe they were fighting each other over mega whale for yeah. the love of mega whale. That's right. I don't know. <laughs> you can both have me. <laughs> we, we digest. Please take us through the cast and the. Uh, Okay, the storyline. Story All right, so I bash this out as we're going through the movie in lieu of there being a good synopsis online. Well, sorry, I'm going to stop you there. There was. It just happened to be in German. It was in German, and I found they've always put their um, they've always put their verbs at the end of the sentences, um, and so that kind of just confused me. I'm not the brightest person in the best of days, and so when you switch German to English, uh, you lost me at Gesundheit. Mm-mm. Well, they lost the war, so that's an even bigger thing. <laughs> Storyline: A plane full of strangers flies near Hawaii when volcanoes erupt, killing the pilots. Dean Kane, a pilot, comes to save the day and fly to safety, only to find out that in order to prevent terrorist attacks, the plane's autopilot is locked to fly around in circles, meaning they'll have to ride it out on top of the volcanoes. On the ground, an army colonel takes advice from the volcano expert whilst dismissing an ambitious soldier with reasonable ideas. The plane runs low on fuel. A panicked passenger tries to overthrow Dean Kane as he pilots the plane, but there's US Marshal on board. 
who detains him and handcuffs him to the toilet. Another passenger, Landon Todd, makes contact with the army through an iPad. Colonel Riker refuses to help at the risk of losing his men, so the ambitious young army guy uh, forges his signature uh, on an order to send in an army plane which goes down over the volcanoes, saving nobody. The colonel yells at the ambitious young army guy, but after an emotional plead from the passengers on board, the colonel changes his mind and sets up a rescue operation. The panicked passenger, who turns out to be a psychopath, breaks out of the toilet and shoots the US Marshal and escapes in a life raft as army guys and jets fly in to do the rescue things. The psychopath dies when it gets hot in the life raft. Soon the army winches everybody to safety into another army plane whilst loading the 747 that they're riding in with explosives. The colonel sacrifices himself by flying into a bogey as Dean Kane flies into the volcano to destroy it. The ambitious young army guy is promoted from specialist to sergeant, technically bypassing the rank of corporal and the credits roll. Wonderful. So you mentioned that has Dean Kane. Uh, yeah, Dean Kane from Lois and Clark. Famous from Lois and Clark, and also just a bit of a tidbit, uh, he starred in an episode of Smallville. I wonder how it would be for him to go from playing Superman uh, in his own show to playing a uh, supporting character in Superman. Yeah, I wonder what role he played in that. Um, well, IMDb has the answer. Yes. Mm. He's also starred in Ripley's Believe It or Not as the host, uh, The Dog Who Saved Easter, The Dog Who Saved the Holidays, The Dog Who Saved Christmas Vacation, and The Dog Who Saved Christmas... <laughs> <laughs> Robin Givens, who starred with Eddie Murphy in Boomerang, uh, and episodes of successful sitcoms like The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, mm. Different Strokes, The Cosby Show, uh, also known for being once married to Mike Tyson, who's a boxer. Mm-hmm. Morgan West played the ambitious young army specialist known for roles including Pig Lady and Waiting in the Wings, where he played a singing Nazi. Uh, Mike Jerome Putnam, there's that name again. I don't know why we keep coming across Putnams and being great friends. Nigel Putnam through to this Putnam. With another Putnam in the middle. There was another Putnam. Um, who played Colonel Riker. Uh, the, he yelled a lot, we'll get onto that. Uh, also starred in the US version of The Office, Californication and Two Broke Girls. Mm-hmm. What is that? Oh my God. That's a volcano! Mayday, mayday, this is flight 7389, requesting immediate emergency assistance. I've got a question for you before we go on. Yeah. If, if you don't mind. After watching Lost in the Pacific, right? Awesome. Okay. I know you love that film. Brandon Ruth. Right? But Where now, are you? now you've got Dean Kane, an ex Superman, mm. saving the day as a plane experiences troubles over the Pacific Ocean. Mm. Do you feel like he's uh, cramping Brandon Ruth's style? Um. I don't think anything could cramp Brandon Ruth's style. Brandon Ruth brought far more to his B-grade film than did Dean Cain to this film, to be perfectly honest. And I just think that although Brandon Ruth is an ex-Superman, I got the impression from watching this that Dean Cain really is an ex-ex-Superman. It's been some time since he's been on our TV screens, and so I just didn't think that he was as much of a leading man as was Brandon Ruth in Lost in the Pacific. But, I mean, after, the, after playing a dog who saved Easter, a dog who saved Christmas, and a dog who saved Christmas vacation, how many, uh, how many Christian holidays has Brandon Ruth saved? I don't. You know what? I don't. I'm, on, I'm with Dean Cain all the way here. <laughs> He's the real superhero. What Brandon do- Ruth is Dean Cain's kryptonite. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, what we look for in B-grade films are the formulaic storyline, a poor production quality, lesser known or has been cast, Low budget and, of course, 
uh, laughable quotes. So Dean Kane and forgive me, Robin Given. Probably. Robin Givens do fit the mould of the has-been cast. Although I'd get the impression that Dean is a little bit more has-been than Robin. Um, but nonetheless, that, that box is well and truly ticked. Um, the poor production quality, well, Asylum does tend to have very consistent, you know, SFX-type Well, um, I've got a question about quality. that. Yeah. Each, each movie seems to have a certain vibe running through it. And I feel there's a certain um, system that I have when it's usually probably what I'm guessing is a junior editor that has like figured out something to do in After Effects or Final Cut Pro or something like that where they've gone, look at this, I've learned how to make um, lava look realistic. Should we make a movie about it? And then they go, no, no, <laughs> not at all. No, use the software that we've got. <laughs> we've used it for every other film. It would just confuse people. Okay, so then he goes and makes some shoddy thing, and then the producer would say, "Let's get a cast together." Oh yeah, let's get let's get a cast together. Let's let's, let's make this into a movie. Let's let's turn on daytime TV and see who's starring on what, and then we'll work out the script later. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Those people will die up there if you don't do something. Then they're dead in the air. There seems to be a consistent kind of management style of the military figures in the asylum films. That's right. Colonel Riker cannot multitask. Seems oblivious to the fact that there is a plane full of passengers terrified up in the up in the air, and it takes one of his specialists to ignore his orders, to falsify his signature, and to launch his own rescue mission to help those passengers. The in large inconsistency, I think, is that there doesn't seem to be really any substantive return on investment for launching the rescue mission because no, the number of fighter pilots that lose their lives, yeah. the aborted rescue mission that the specialist um, launched using a cargo jet or a cargo plane to fly beneath the, the jet and offload passengers that blew up as well. Mm. There was just far too much death and destruction to justify rescuing these people. I think the best thing to do would perhaps once they regain communications, would be just give them the code to the autopilot. That's and, right. And get because, them to unlock it and, and they can land the plane safely. Because the two pilots died, and I don't think we made this clear when I was going through the synopsis, is the two pilots had the code to switch off autopilot. Uh, but because they both died um, and they had that terrorist... Um, well, so that terrorist can't take <clears throat> over the plane. The code is only known to the two pilots. Yeah. Was the explanation given to us? But surely people at the base would know the pilots. One would think. The code. Yeah. One would think. So once they did make the contact with, people are forgetful. <laughs> it happens. But there was not one person smart enough in the entire movie. Even the volcano expert wasn't. Wasn't no. like, well, hang on, maybe this is our chance to just fly away from the volcanoes. No, that's exactly right. And really, he's he was an expert in volcanoes, but. He didn't really get the opportunity to demonstrate his expertise in volcanoes. No. He really just demonstrated that he could turn on his iPad and connect uh, with the base and but talk to them. He was very good with an iPad. Uh, so I'm not sure if you explained that the volcano erupted and even destroyed part of the military headquarters on Hawaii. Maybe you did. No, I didn't. Oh, it happened. It did. It was funny. It was funny. That was a good scene. Oh, and then and then when Colonel Tyker does finally agree to launch a rescue mission, he himself has to lead it. We are going to face this thing head on. So laughable quotes. I think the film had them as well. Sorry, he would have been fired. He, oh, would, have he been, would have been had fired. He, had he not been destroyed by fire, <clears throat> he would have been fired. Very good. So either way... Very good. Either way, fire is definitely... <laughs> in 
his future. So do we have any more comments on the storyline and on the inconsistencies? Um, look, For some uh, reason, the plane had to fly into the volcano at the end with a bomb on it. Uh, that did happen. There were, there were so many inconsistencies. Um, I found that um, uh, Dean Kane, as the pilot, he said the biggest plane he's ever flown in his life uh, sat nine people, uh, but now he's flying a 747. However, as we looked inside the 747 and we're filming from inside the 747, it looked like it sat, say, ten people. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, did, it really didn't seem like a 747. It was almost like a, a reverse TARDIS from Doctor Who. <laughs> That's it right. was really big on the outside, but yes, as you say, only ten people <laughs> on the inside. But also when they, when they decided to lighten the plane by throwing the luggage off, yep. they went down to the luggage compartment. Yeah, opened up the cargo door. I didn't know they had them on those, those, cargo, those commercial it, jets. Because it felt like it was a, like an army jet. Yes. Like an Air Force it did. cargo plane. Yeah. And the kind of thing you see in movies and ads and stuff. But no, I don't think that commercial jets operate like that, but I'm not entirely sure. I they might do. They might do. Uh. We're always on the plane. We always drop our luggage there, yeah. get on the plane, and then it's on the conveyor belt. When we, we don't know what happens. Well, what about Air Force One with Harrison Ford? That was good. Don't they open up a I am the President of the United States. <laughs> I believed him too. <laughs> Is everything alright? He's not breathing. Uh, he, he's gone. Well, I, what do you think about the acting? I think Dean Kane was wasted because really he just spent the entire film sitting down strapped into the seat in the cockpit. Yeah. Yeah. Look, he did... Did what he could with what he had. Yeah. Yeah. And here we are talking about it, so could it be so bad? Well, can I give kudos to his offsider, who um, was the um, the flight attendant, played by Tamara Goodwin, who played Rita Loss, the, the flight attendant. And she really carried the film. She was an excellent actress. She was surprisingly good. I wouldn't be surprised if she was classically trained... She could hold her own in a uh, in a regular Hollywood blockbuster. Yeah. I'm sure of it. it. It was like she wasn't nervous at all acting opposite Dean Kane, superstar. I would be terrible. Can I have your autograph, Dean? What about laughable quotes? I feel that the film had a few. Um, if you would indulge me, I'll read them out to you. Please. At one point, Landon Todd, the volcano expert, has managed to get the communications up using his iPad and can now communicate with the army base. And he says to the air marshal, I minored in genius, but I majored in awesome. Oh, God. Specialist Neil Tully, to the question, where are they? He answers, they're in the seventh circle of hell. Right. As they're flying through volcanoes. So Specialist Neil Tully, in his plea to Colonel Riker to help the passengers, says, help me, help them. Right. Tom Cruise, Jerry Maguire, help me, help you. Oh, he does say that, doesn't he? Once or twice. That's one of the most famous quotes of the film. Help me help you. Yeah. Well, when the fighter pilots are up in the air, the dialogue was taken straight from Star Wars, wasn't it? (laughs) Red 3, Red 5. Red 5, I'm ready. James, did you enjoy the film? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, did you? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I did. Yeah, Yeah, good. I mean, I always always enjoy these sessions. Uh, Pizza and some wine and uh, a good B-grade film. So I love a great airplane film. Um, I especially like the fictional airline names. Uh, the name of the airline in this film is Erebus Air, named after Mount Erebus, a volcano in Antarctica where on November 28th, 1979, Air New Zealand Flight 901 unfortunately crashed, killing all 257 passengers and crew. Mm. James, can you guess in which films do the following fictional airlines appear, if I read them out to you? Okay. 
Windsor Airlines. Um, Snakes on a plane? No. Die Hard 2. Oh. Atlantic International Airlines. Is there Snakes on a plane? <laughs> no. Okay, hang on. Let me, let me guess then. Let me guess. Let me guess. And it's not Air Force One because that's Air Force One. I'm just trying to think of another movie with an airplane in it. And um, Always bet on black. Lethal Weapon? No. No. I don't think there is a... Who says Always bet on black? Wesley Snipes. So is it a Wesley Snipes film? Yes, it is. Is it 48 Hours? No. It's Passenger 57. Oh, I knew it was a number. Do you know who co-starred alongside him then? A white guy. Uh, yes, I was thinking more specifically Liz Hurley. Oh, there you go. Where are they now? Oceanic <laughs> Airlines. Okay, so is this Sex on a Plane? <laughs> is any of them Sex on a Plane? <laughs> So I think Steven Seagal oh, oh. and um, Kurt Russell. Oh. Oh, look, no. I mean, you said Steven Seagal. I thought Under Siege. No, it's Steven Seagal for five minutes and then Kurt Russell for the rest of the film in Executive Decision. Oh, no, I wouldn't have guessed that. What about this one? South Pacific Airlines. Okay, you gotta, you got to tell me, is this... Uh, any of these snakes on a plane? Yes. Is this snakes on a plane? All right, plane. that's one out of four. <laughs> that's um, a C plus. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and last but not least, Belarus Airways. I feel, but is Belarus in um, Eastern Europe? It is. And so is the movie set in Eastern Europe? It, this uh, the the, the aeroplane scene in this film is only one scene. It's not. The entire film is not based around the entire aeroplane. Is it Batman? No. Oh. But it's starring Brad Pitt. Uh, the curious case of Benjamin Button. Legends <laughs> of the Fall. World War Z. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems as though all of them, like you could just, you, there must be like a, 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 a airline name generator on the, on the internet. Yeah, what like, you... and they all just spit out like transatlantic, oceanic, transpacific, Pacific Atlantic. <laughs> uh, Shy Cobra Airlines. No, no one's going to get on that. Are no, they? just like transpacific, oceanic, Atlantic. Yeah. Royal. Royal Pacific Airlines. Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty solid. Mm. I'd fly with him. Mm. What's their inflow entertainment like? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Is there a generator for <laughs> Have you ever had any dangerous airline experiences of your own? Um, so I've had a very scary aeroplane experience and that was flying from Kochi in India to, I believe, Mumbai. And uh, yes, it was on a very small aeroplane. It was at night. There was a storm. And the plane was shaking more than any other plane I've been on before. And that was quite a terrifying experience. Yeah. Well. And then another time landing in Denpasar in Bali, just as we were due to touch down, there was wind shear and the plane had to take off again at speed. And I've never had that before. And that was quite a... So it was coming down to land and you're about to... Yeah. You're, you're, I guess you were mentally preparing to yes. get the customs and stuff. And then suddenly the plane had to... I was mentally preparing. How am I going to get the marijuana through the customs? <laughs> I was already stressed it up. I'm sure you can understand. No, I could see the runway out the side of the window, but then 
we took off at pace. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it was quite, experience, quite an experience, quite scary. Right. What about yourself? I do remember a flight from Adelaide to Sydney. Now, the person next to me uh, was just terrified of flying. I guess being a hairdresser, she was very good at chatting. And I think she was one of those people that um, probably chatted a lot when they got nervous. Mm-hmm. And so she hated flying and the entire time. She, I was looking forward to watching a movie on my laptop, mm-hmm. but there was not a spare second. And she was just terrified. And she started to put a bit of doubt in me that the plane was going to survive. <laughs> I was like, maybe we are going to crash. I've never thought about this before. Um, but it got worse, man. Um, she, kept, uh, she kept saying, feel how sweaty my palms are. And I'm trying to placate this woman. Um, but I was like, I touched her palms. I was like, they're really sweaty. Okay. Ten minutes later, feel how sweaty they are again. I was like, maybe this is like how she meets men. Other women go to the vegetable aisle of the supermarket, but she gets on. She's like, if they love me, flights. if they love me in this type of situation, imagine how caring <laughs> they'll be on a normal day-to-day basis. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh. How do you not do this professionally? So we've come to that part of the show which we call SearchIMDb.com where I will enter the title of the film we've just watched into the search engine of the popular film and television website to see how popular it is. So here we go. I'm typing in airplane, and up comes airplane from 1980. Was it Lee, Leslie Nielsen? Uh, no, I think that was Flying High, which was a takeoff of uh, airplane. That was a very good pun. It was very fun. Okay, I've come up to airplane. Nothing. We've got airplane mode, a 2016 film. I've typed in airplane V and up comes airplane versus volcano, indicating some degree of popularity. <laughs> there you go. Dean Kane, your spirit will live on. He's not dead. Well, his career is. <laughs> Well, he's going to be the dog that never saves you. <laughs> so that brings us to where we award Kernels out of five. James, how many Kernels are you going to award this film? So I found this to be more entertaining than Hotting the Naughty, but I think I gave that a one. And you gave that a very low mark from yeah. my collection. It was a horror. Paris Hilton. Gee. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I give this a... Um, have I given anything a three yet? Um, I don't know if you have, but the thing that keeps me up at night is that I only awarded Lost in the Pacific a three. Right. <laughs> I'll give this film, Airplane versus Volcano, a two and a half hot kernels out of five. Okay, well, I award this film two kernels out of five. Okay. Our unpaid intern and editor is Archie. I've been Maxie. I'm James. And you've been listening to Popped Corn. Thank you for listening, and we'll speak to you in our next episode. Excuse me, we're actually preparing to land. Do you mind bringing your seat forward?